depending on what I'm emphasizing and, and you know where I start on the in the rectangle or what have you, it, it changes all the time. Uh, and I mean, it's always thrilling and and terrifying to start start from nothing. You always start from nothing. And you find out if you can do it again or do anything, find something. <laughs> Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 138th overdue episode, Dmitry Sabarov joins me to talk about his exhibition, Between Beverly and Bridgeport. It opens Friday, April 17th. It's at Rational Park in Chicago, so please come out for that exhibition. His work explores a variety of different paintings from life, again, still life, uh, landscape, cabs, all sorts of stuff. So please check out the exhibition and please go to his website before listening again it's always great to see what we're talking about if you're new to studio break and you're hearing it for the first time i want to let you know studio break is a podcast and blog website we feature a variety of different artists they come on they share their work in slideshow format so you can check it out there you can find links to their websites and Find out all sorts of personal information about them. And we also have these lengthy interviews where they talk about their studio practice, different research methodologies, and all sorts of stuff. So please check them out. We've got a big archive, so please check them all out. Once again, we are in iTunes, so you can subscribe to the podcast there. And you can also find us in a number of different social media platforms, including Facebook. So please like our page. You can follow our Tumblr account. That's studio-break.tumblr. And lastly, please tweet us at Studio Break. And without further ado, here is our interview with Dimitri. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Dmitry Samarov. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Again, very interesting to see all of the, the work that you have up on your website. Again, I would encourage people to go check it out, especially if you haven't seen the work. You know, as you're listening to this interview, there's a lot of different stuff. So it'll be interesting to kind of unpack, uh, you know, how you arrived there. So again, very cool to have you on. Before we kind of get into uh, your past, I guess, where, where are we talking to you now from? Uh, where are you currently located? I'm currently located in my living room in a small apartment in, <laughs> in the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. Moved here a couple months ago. So. Awesome, awesome. You probably have heard some of these before, at least maybe mm-hmm. how they start out. Yes. So as always, uh, where, where are you from originally? And, and we'll slowly walk forward from there. Sure. Uh, I was born in uh, Moscow, USSR, which is you know a country that no longer exists. Uh, my my family and I uh, emigrated to the U.S. in uh, 1978 when I was seven, uh, settling in the Boston area, and uh, I grew up mostly there. Escaped for for college and have been in Chicago for much of the time since about 1990. Yeah. Interesting. And so, I mean, was that like a like a, a big transition in terms of just moving? Huge. Uh, I mean, it's it's really still sort of the the central event of my life, you know, because at seven I had this uh, sort of schism, this break. Uh, so there's before and after the immigration, and uh, yeah, yeah, it in, on some level informs sort of everything uh, I do and everything I am. I guess I'm just easily like uh, glamored by that that idea <laughs> of just kind of like 
not knowing and just kind of be asking the dumb questions. But um, I don't know. Are there any things, any kind of like important things that you can kind of look back to or things that you're interested in in terms of like where you're originally from? Or are, are those kind of like um, – is it like another life or – I don't know. It's, it, it is another life. Uh, it's also, as I said, I mean, sort of in jest, but sort of not. It's a country that no longer exists because, well, there is physically it's there. It's Russia. But uh, what I left was the Soviet Union, uh, and that ended, uh, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, depending on where you put it exactly historically, you know, with the collapse of the Soviet Union. And it's just a very different place. Sure, sure. So there's kind of yeah. The, the, usually the next question is, have I been back? And no, I haven't. And uh, there's sort of there's nothing for me to go back to really. Uh, I I wouldn't know what to go back to. You sure. Know what I mean? I've, looked, I've looked at it. Uh, I've actually tried to find uh, like the, the apartment that we all lived in. Um, I lived in a communal apartment with two other families. That's pretty common uh, there uh, in in Moscow. Uh, and I really don't recognize it. It doesn't look familiar at all. And so um, I guess in terms of just art and, and just kind of things that you were interested in when you were young, I mean, were you making a lot of things? I would imagine that you've been drawing since you could maybe hold a pencil, but... Pretty I much. Know. I don't... I'm one of those people. I don't remember ever not drawing. Uh, my, I mean, probably the first formative art influence or experience was I had a stamp collection, when I, which started probably when I was about five or six and it covered uh i took i took the books with me uh you know to america and i still have them uh there's two of them uh they they're not valuable stamps most of them are you know were steamed off of mailed letters and a lot of them are from from the soviet union uh but i think that was an early sort of uh visual uh inspiration sure stamps were composed and i mean there's they're composed a million different ways uh but yeah they, they've always had uh they've always had an influence in some way i'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> Inter- well and again i think it's just interesting because artists kind of kind of collect all these kind of different i don't know just like these little different bits of information maybe not knowing you know like when it's going to creep into your work yeah you know, or just kind of be, take on some other significance. So I don't know. That's always interesting. Yeah, um, artists always collect crap. I mean, <laughs> any. I mean, most artists. There, there's there's some minimalists, but most. If you go into an artist studio, there's all this clutter and little trinkets and things that may or may not mean something or may spark something. Uh, yeah, that's a story. Yeah, it's a weird compulsion to like need something that you really don't need. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just kind of the things that you're drawing, was it pretty typical of like what, you know, I don't know, like what young uh, young boys like to draw in terms of just, I don't know, like comic books or? Um, I did. Uh, draw- I had, I certainly had like a, I wasn't a comic book guy, but I had a, a sort of caricature kind of phase, cartoony mm-hmm. phase, which I think a lot, of, I mean, most kids have. Uh, but uh, I mean, pretty early on, I started, uh, I, I got interested in, really what my main project still is, which is uh, painting and drawing from life. It's really, really important uh, to me to have something in front of my eyes to bounce off of, you know, the stuff I'm most interested in doesn't come from my head or from imagination or anything. It's just uh, 
trying to make marks in reaction to something that's right in front of me. And that started a long, long time ago. You were just talking about how you've been drawing forever, but I mean, is there anything that you could boil down into like, um, I don't know what, what sunk that in for you or in, in terms of just kind of like, wow, you know, I could make this, you know, drawing look like this actual thing. Or, I mean, was there anything more than that? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever satisfied to my satisfaction made anything look like the actual thing but uh you know the the desire is always there to to at least get some little fragment of it uh i mean skipping up ahead maybe to when i was about 15 or 16 my my father enrolled me in uh in a a life drawing class Mm -hmm. and that that was sort of a a revelation Uh, i was in there with a bunch of college students and older people it was it was like one of those uh non-credit classes, you know, in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it really, really clicked. So there was a model and uh, we just had to draw. And they would change poses, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. Doing that seemed incredible. Like, like it just seemed right. Like that, that that's what I was supposed to be doing. For me, like I, I wound up taking so many classes in high school and have, having this idea of like what art was, and then going to college and kind of being like, oh no, it's maybe maybe it could be this thing too. Were you, were you interested in art in high school? Um, I, I think I was, but I think I was interested in that idea of like describing, you know, or I don't know. So I'm I'm interested in your case of just kind of being, you know, exposed to like kind of like drawing from observation, drawing from life, being in that that reactive kind of state as opposed to one where you're just kind of going like, oh, I like. Um, you know, the Adams family. So I'm going to draw, you know, one of the characters <laughs> or so, you know, something that's kind of, it yeah. seems like more arbitrary, you know? Well, but it, it, it always just seemed, and still does, I guess, uh, the most sort of raw, honest, uh, like it was the, is the way of working that seemed least involved with lying and pretending. Uh, there was no, uh, there was no put on, there was, uh, with working from life. Uh, whereas, uh, working from, and this is only, I'm, I'm making this statement about myself, not as a, an indictment of other ways of working, but working from imagination or even from memory for the most part seemed like a put on, mm-hmm. like pretend, uh, uh, and a bit arbitrary. Sure. Whereas, sure. Yeah. Whereas working from life, always, I always felt like I was in a instantly in some sort of dialogue in a conversation with something outside of myself. And that was always really important. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I subscribe to that, uh, you know, that idea of an artist as a, some sort of channel or, uh, something that passed through rather than as an origin point. Well, and it's interesting to me today because it seems like that, that engagement is something that just doesn't want to be looked at, or, you know, if it is, it maybe is kind of glossed over and maybe I'm like kind of generalizing, but it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to kind of put yourself Are in you that setting. Are you trying to say that light, a painting from life isn't fashionable these days? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel really self-conscious when I keep getting interested in, in chatting with artists working that way, because, you know, um, is something that kind of, you know, opened up to me after I started teaching, you know, you start again, kind of realizing there's this whole other world that you've been neglecting, you know, this world that you haven't been engaged with you know and i think you mean because it's not talked about like in the art press or what have you in the in the circles that think that they matter yeah completely Uh, (laughs) completely yeah uh well that's uh i've i've battled that my whole uh you know career whatever whatever you want to call it uh yeah it's 
it's part, you know, probably partially why I've had, you know, very, very little, uh, you know, gallery representation or any kind of art press, uh, because, because what I'm doing is, is not, you know, the, it's not the flavor of the month, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's a way of working that's always been there. And I, I can't imagine ever disappearing because people have been doing what I'm doing since the caves. Sure. Then that's how I've always seen it. Uh, and uh, I I don't know how to do it any other way, so it's not even like a, it's not like a political stance or it's not to be contrary right. that I'm doing what I'm doing. It's it's just how I know uh, to do. <laughs> sure, sure. And and so I mean, you know, you were just talking about you know taking taking these life drawing classes. I mean, is that what kind of like what really solidified like maybe I could just keep doing this uh, uh, for the rest of my life and just keep keep working kind of yeah I, I, there was a there was a period a short period in high school where i tried to get away from it mm-hmm. i tried to you know go hang out and play basketball and try to fit in and stuff and that was my last chance i failed miserably and then i just gave in that this is how it was going to be this is what i was going to be doing uh i didn't know i mean on a practical level i didn't really know how that would all shake out uh i I knew that it wasn't the most lucrative uh, line of work to get into. <laughs> sure. Uh, and uh, but I also knew that um, there was no way I was going to keep uh, going in my education if it wasn't for art school. Uh, my parents were very keen on me going to college, but the only way I, you know, I was going to go was for art school. And I'm I'm still sort of it's an open question whether that was worthwhile or not. <laughs> And so where, where did you wind up going and, and deciding uh, uh, to investigate, I guess, this? Uh... Well, uh, I first, yeah, my first semester uh, of school was at Parsons in New York. It was the fall of 89. And uh, uh, probably a month in, I knew I had to leave that place. Uh, I hated it. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really, really heavily skewed towards design. And uh, worse than that, uh, their first year program was uh, – set up kind of like kindergarten where you're all where you're with the same students in every class. Like you go from class to class with the same people. And I I just felt incredibly stifled and trapped. I had a teacher there that uh, in the color theory class that told me I was unteachable, you know, which is not that it's not what you should be telling somebody that's 19. That's just starting out. Uh, and yeah, I was probably an arrogant asshole probably, but, uh, you know, this was a middle-aged man, and he was kind of stooping to my level. You know what I mean? It was a bad place for me. Yeah, I was going to say, just communicating to anybody is so difficult. And I guess that's one of the my downfalls. I always try, like, that's why I always ask these questions about backstories, you know? Because uh-huh. I kind of want to have a better idea of your perspective before, you know, we kind of talk about, you know, what you're interested in now and, and things like that. So it's interesting, you know... Just being like a, a teacher now, just to kind of reevaluate the that kind of hardliner stance where you just kind of like you get this. Come on, you're you know you're 18 years old and you just yeah. got left out of the house and you're on your own for the first time. I, I want you to spend all your time working on this. And yeah, it's it's know. kind of amazing how much of you know their own baggage some some teachers bring to the classroom. I mean, looking back on that experience with the, with a guy in New York, I mean, there was no way that wasn't. His, you know, something wrong with him. Yeah, I yeah. Don't, don't see how you, you know, tell a kid, you know, who's a freshman, 
<laughs> that he's unteachable. <laughs> that, you know, yeah, that's, I, yeah. That's I, not- <laughs> what what uh do you teach college or yeah i teach uh, at a couple of colleges out uh around chicago i have a, a student right now who's uh in his 80s oh um, really been painting for 14 years and uh struggling through uh a bunch of still live paintings but i'm kind of convinced like you're going to get you're going to learn how to mix color just a little bit better from this or maybe a little bit more subtly just by working this way you know uh-huh. um, but that's <laughs> even that's an interesting thing um but um Again, uh, sorry. I always, I always want to kind of wanting to bring this back so it's listenable too. <laughs> um, but I, I think you know, I, pe- people don't mind digressions. I think and tangents. Yeah, I, I hope I, not. It's an interesting thing because as someone, you know, like, and maybe it's partially because, um, and we'll talk about this too. I mean, in terms of just what you do, in, in terms of uh, you're a cab driver, yeah. In, in terms I, of how I you, was, uh, okay. I, I quit uh, almost three years ago now. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm done with it. I was uh, I was just gonna say, as someone that like commutes so much, I love listening to things. You know, listening to podcasts, and mm-hmm. I I really like that format. And so, I mean, I've just um, I don't know. I I've been trying to balance out that with uh, people that you know maybe aren't podcast uh, junkies that can listen to people ramble for you know like three hours. Or gosh, you know, you hear some weird conversations that. You somehow look at the clock and you're like, I've been listening to this for four hours, you know? <laughs> no, I, I, I love I love them too. Uh, I listen I listen to podcasts all the time, like while while I'm painting, especially or just walking around. Sure, sure. Yeah, I I, I love listening to people talk. Um. So again, I, I now keep putting my foot in my mouth. But um, <laughs> how did how did you wind up leaving Parsons and where did you go? Uh, did you find a place that was home then? Yeah. So uh, I, as I said, I. Uh, I knew right away I had to get the hell out of there. I mean, New York was kind of fun, was a lot of fun uh, and strange. Uh, I, I lived, uh, my parents found me uh, a communal apartment with an older Russian man in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. subsidized housing, so it was cheap. Uh, but he was really, really out of his mind. And, uh, you know, I, this was the first place I lived away from home. And I would commute into Manhattan. Uh, you know, every morning to a to a school where I had no friends, basically. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to the walls, <laughs> the museums, and every and the I, I, and music and everything else was great, but the school was just a nightmare. So, uh, luckily, the School of the Art Institute was willing to take me in the middle of uh, freshman year. So, uh, in the winter of 1990, I tra- I moved to Chicago, and then and then the rest is history. I guess you've been stuck here since. <laughs> And I, I graduated. Uh, I graduated with a BFA in '93, uh, so there three and a half years. And and what I mean was it something that you could kind of feel like immediately, like the difference in terms of the the approach? I mean, it was something that was more geared to what you were interested in. Yeah, yeah. It was there. There was a big difference right away. Uh, yeah. Although, yeah, the the city. I didn't know anything about the city, but uh, yeah, I. I I, I made my way through, uh, you know, fairly easily. I, I took, I primarily took uh, figure painting and figure drawing classes. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where I took a, I took a class with Don Southern there, a, a painting class and uh, some others. But uh, and I was gonna say, so I mean, like in in terms of like, um, I don't know, even just as an undergraduate, I mean, was that idea of, you know, you've got to be putting content into this work? Um, was that something that was always kind of 
being you know talked about in terms of sure know, yeah the 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 figure painters were sort of second class citizens there so there was the figure painting studios and then there was these uh, advanced painting studios which were little cubby holes where you know everybody was already a uh, their own genius mm-hmm. uh, doing their masterpieces which uh, as I remember it now, this is the early 90s. They seem to be like, you know, fourth, fifth generation kind of abstract expressionist things usually or imagists. Well, because the Art Institute has such a legacy with the the imagists. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of knockoffs of that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm sure it was ref- a reflection of the teachers there because the teachers were came from those kind of kinds of schools of art. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely a divide, and we were the sort of uh, patronizing or condescending attitude was that, well, now you know how to paint, now you got to paint something. Where uh, I think uh, my uh, my thinking on that was that I'd have the rest of my life to figure out what to paint. That in school I might as well try to learn something. You know what I mean? So you were you were concerned in terms of like painting the figure, and you know. Um, there's this kind of push, especially, I mean, again, especially now I would imagine like this desire to kind of move past, oh, it's just like this, this thing that you get past and then it turns into, yeah, it's like, real important for for music. It's like playing, they, they think it's like playing scales or practicing, Mm -hmm. like you're not actually, you know, quote unquote creating. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's true. Was there any like particular subjects that you would investigate like outside of like a, a life painting class? I mean, were you doing like any any particular like portraits of people or? I, I was doing all the, I was doing portraits. I was doing a lot of room like interiors like at at the apartments I was living. So my first semester is the only time I ever lived in a dorm. I lived in the dorm at Roosevelt because the Art Institute didn't have dorms yet when I was there. I mean, it's grown in, exponentially. It's crazy to see how much uh, property they have now downtown in Chicago. But uh, then they had a they were renting out a floor of Roosevelt for the Art Institute kids. And uh, but after after that half year, I lived in apartments around the city, uh, and I always was painting my environment. And then I lived uh, for most of that time with a with a girl, and then a couple other roommates. So they were they were victims of my brush <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can only imagine like you know just stay eating breakfast for the next hour or so. Okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, more often it was something like you know the 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 soup bowl left left over at the table, and then I'd paint that. You know, just leave it there and paint it. Uh, stuff like that. What is it about that idea of recording things from your environment, or kind of, I guess in a way, I mean, you're almost kind of like documenting them as a way in like a. Um, almost like sta- a stand in for not like a camera, but like, you know, like a way to record that moment. I mean, what is it about that that is so yeah. interesting? Well, I, I think, you know, I guess I'm looking for something that will, uh, that will connect with, with a viewer in a way, something that will trigger thoughts, memories, something that they can see of themselves, of the life that they know. Um, I'm, I'm not so, so interested in um, like the confessional side autobiography or revealing something some sort of secrets or deep hidden truths uh i'm more i'm trying to 
look, look at the, you know, the things we live with and the, the views we see every day and, and finding something that resonates from those. Uh, and it's, I've, I've found for years and years now, it was, it was sort of the most humble, simplest things that seem to have hold the most, uh, interest in a certain way. I guess maybe just to throw a nice tangent in there. I mean, have you ever kind of felt that, um, I don't know, the way that you look at things, has that ever kind of like uh, brushed off on someone else where they started noticing, I don't know, something that they might have missed? Because I think in some ways you're kind of painting things maybe that we overlook, you know what I mean? Things that are kind of like every day, you know, taken for granted, kind of like maybe not looked at it in a context that it could be interesting. So... I think so. I mean, pe- people that hang around me or, you know, read some of the things I've written also, uh, they, I think some people pick up on it. Uh, and, and yeah, what I, what I mostly do is I go places or, and, and just sit and look and listen. And I, I found that, yeah, pretty much all you need to know is, is already out there. It's just a matter of taking yourself out of it in a certain way. Um, yeah, not not imposing your will and just just letting things come. It's just such an interesting thing. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like a coffee or something. Like you don't like it, and then you kind of get that first taste where you're kind of like, oh, this is pretty good. And then it becomes like a something you can't live without. I don't know. Seeing is such an important thing. You know. Yeah, and uh, the thing that's out there is, is that it's just constantly changing. It's con- if if you if you just sit. Like right now, you know, as we're talking, I'm I'm looking out the window, and you know, there's a there's birds that are flying. The light is changing. Uh, the light is is a huge, huge uh, inspiration and uh, focus of uh, interest for me. Always has been. One of my first teachers at the art institute was just hammering this thing about figuring out where the light is hitting. You know, what it's hitting, what what's lighter, what's darker. And you keep asking yourself these questions as you paint. And it becomes a, a kind of story that just keeps going and going, and it's endless. What has to become like su- like a subject that you start exploring then in terms of um, anything? Because, I mean, obviously, you've got like a bunch of different avenues. Um, does that kind of start out with just drawing and, and, and working in a sketchbook? And I have sketchbooks, and I, I draw in them, but they don't. Uh, I don't do preparatory drawings pretty much ever. Uh, maybe at like for jobs, for illustration kind of stuff, which is different, which is, you know, not from life. And it's a whole other story, but, uh, no, I, I like having that. I like sort of just diving into it. Like the paintings, like there's not very much of an underpainting, very, very sketchy, just a, a few marks. And then there's color all of a sudden. Uh, no, I, I like, I like diving right in. Um, but as far as, yeah, the subject matter, it's it's usually something uh, that I've seen for a while, like pass, but like you know, I'll pass by the same window, you know, a hundred times, and then one day I'll sit down and start a painting. It's it's pretty intuitive. It's not uh, there's not a grand plan with it, and you know, sometimes I hit, sometimes I miss. One of the reasons to uh, paint rather than write or talk is that you're trying to get at something that's beyond words. Uh, and so, uh, of course, the, the paradox of it is, yeah, everybody wants to talk about it, but you can't really quite nail it ever. Uh, that's why you paint. Well, and that's and again, I think that's why you spend time looking at something, you know, I mean, as, as opposed to reading about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, again, it's not to say that that doesn't have its uh, importance, but, um, you know, you can 
you can read all about how awful uh, Jackson Pollock is and, you know, how uh, the CIA, you know, essentially made him and, you know, your kid can paint this or whatnot. But <laughs> when, you're, when you're standing in front of something that's massive, you know, that's encompassing your field of vision or I don't know, you know what I mean? I just... And maybe that's a bad example, but I mean, like, art um, has to be experienced, you know, as opposed to just kind of read about. Oh, yeah, cer- certainly. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to be experienced in real life, not on a computer screen the way that most people do. I mean, people are always uh, amazed, you know, when they, they see my work in real life and they're, they're, you know, there's texture and there's there's all sorts of stuff that there's no way to communicate on a, no matter how good your resolution is on a computer screen. Uh, and I, I resisted computers for the longest time for that reason. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad that you changed for this uh, for this interview for the time being. Um, no, no, I, I mean I know I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I was convinced to dive in, I, d- I dove in. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't know how to turn on a computer until like late 2003. I was pretty late to it. <laughs> well, could you talk a little bit about just like the process of just kind of like inventing and finding new ways of kind of like uh, working through something? I mean, did you learn all sorts of different tricks or, I don't know, is there a trick? I I always like to like think like, especially like when I'm in, when I'm painting outside, I like to kind of like, I don't know, just put myself in the deep end. I don't know. Like I, I'll start a composition that I think like, there's no way this is going to work. you know. <laughs> and half the time I feel like it's not working until it kind of starts to change. But um yeah, I start them all different ways, but basically, I, I early on I limited. Um, like I've I've worked with the same palette for uh, twenty over twenty years now. It's basically yeah, red, yellow, blue, white, black. Mm-hmm. That's two blues, and it's it. I intentionally figured that I would just keep using the these specific tools until I really really got them. And I, I have, I, I still to this day have, don't feel like I've uh, scratched the bottom of, you know, mm-hmm. gotten to the bottom of that of that well. But it's, I mean, limitations are good for artists. Uh, it's other otherwise uh, the possibilities are endless, and you get overwhelmed, and you get nothing done. Uh, but yeah, those, I mean, those six colors are like you know the my you know guitar strings or what have you. The, those are the tools that I use when I'm painting, and. Depending on what I'm emphasizing and you know where I start on the in the rectangle or what have you, it, it changes all the time. Uh, and I mean, it's always thrilling and and terrifying to start start from nothing. You always start from nothing, and you find out if you can do it again or do anything. Find something. That's uh, <laughs> such an interesting interesting concept. You know, I've I've talked to people that I consider to be way better like painters of me, whatever that means, but, um, or better artists in general. But like, it's interesting that there's this notion that people kind of do have that, that sense of conflict or something. When maybe when they start something new, there's like this tension or even when they're working on it. I don't know. Probably just cause there's so much invested in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, you have, I mean, the further you go, the more history you have and, you know, there's both successes and failures that are always eating at you. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> all the time but yeah one of the yeah one of the great things about uh, the way that i work is you really do have to you have to start from zero uh you can't really build on you know the the previous painting you don't start from there you start from nothing 
And that's really important. And does all that experience kind of like put you in a place where you like not necessarily know that it's going to be like a successful thing, but that you can just work through it and, and see what happens. And if it hit, like you said, if it hits, it hits, if it misses, it misses. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've probably grown more comfortable with the failures, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, recognizing the failure is a huge part of it. Uh, no, always was. I remember, I mean, when I was a student, uh, you know, you're influenced by a lot of artists. There was a Giacometti always talked about failure a lot, like failing and failing. And he was a guy that, you know, basically was doing the same sculpture or, or the painted version of it over and over and over again. And whatever it was, he kept, you know, winnowing away at it and always thought that it was mostly failure. And that was a, it seemed like a key insight to me. But that was just, that was part of the process. That was part of the thing you're doing. Always. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that's, again, interesting, too, because it brings me back to, like, thinking about life drawing classes. And that's, again, like, you know, something that you're going to see if you take a life drawing class, hopefully, you know, because you've seen all those drawings. And it's interesting to think about it in the context of now, because it's it's, it's like there's not as much patience, I guess, you know. <laughs> well, like, like it's that idea of just kind of like, okay, I've done this. Now I can jump on to another subject. And that's the important thing for a while. Like the idea of really developing, um, I don't know, like a researching and working like some idea over and over and just kind of like really seeing it in a different way is, is just really interesting to me as opposed to just kind of. The guys that I, I love the most and always have are the ones that just in a certain way just kept doing the same thing. Like. Yeah, like like Giacometti, like Mirandi, like Matisse, you know, these people that would keep going to this, they would, you know, they had several themes that they kept going back to and uh, kept generating, you know, trying it again and again and again because it's new every time. And what, what you're trying to get is a record or a feeling of being in a place at a time. That That's that's certainly a big part of it, part of it for me. It's recording. It's not a moment. It's moments. Uh, I don't like photography has that thing of freezing time, which I've never cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, painting, I think, has a, a capacity to communicate time in a more dynamic way, more interesting way than photography does. Uh, that'll piss off photographers. <laughs> That's well, how I feel. <laughs> well, but I think, I don't know. I mean, I think you, because even just as since it started, I mean, you bring up points that are in, interesting, especially to me, because I think it's very easy for artists to want to kind of bottle, bottle every, everything up into like a particular like way of working. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it seems like there's, it's weird because like in school, you think about it, like you kind of learn these rules and then you kind of get pushed to kind of like push past them. So I don't know. I, I find it odd that there's there are people that really get fixated on, you know, like this one. Um, I don't know this one. Like they have this one. There's this one valid way of working as opposed to other ways. You know, like I, I sure. think that I well, think that they a- certainly all have different values. Because I, you know, I don't personally take a lot of photographs in terms of the idea of presenting them. But I I take tons of photographs, dumb dumb endless photographs of skies. You know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember traveling out West, um, back when, you know, you have photographs, uh, uh, you know, on film and I just go through, wind up coming through boxes of, you know, just like, oh man, I took like 40 different images of the sky that day. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, photography is in a very odd moment right now anyhow, but because it's, it's, it's in this process of changing from, uh, a way of 
like a, a profession or any a way of recording facts to this thing that everybody has access to that's you know mm-hmm, since mm-hmm. with with the phones and everything uh it's it's an odd place it's it's sort of where i guess painting was at the dawn of photography and who knows what it'll turn into uh i mean yeah photography's fascinating but it's not um it'll always be uh sort of a machine's eye view of the world and uh uh it's it's done some measure of damage to people that have wanted to learn painting because we're we're so uh we're so used to taking it as as a given the way that photographs uh record the world and uh uh i've i've always sort of battled against that in a certain way uh <laughs> So I'm curious in terms of just your your time at the Art Institute then. So so as you kind of wrapped up there, I mean, you just you had this time to kind of just explore painting and and was there anything that you were particularly focused on when you when you were when it was time to kind of like move on and depart? Well, I, I was uh, my college uh, relationship was ending and I was gonna uh, I, my plan was to move back to Boston where where my parents live. I had a much younger brother who'd, uh, whose childhood I sort of missed a little bit by being away in college. Mm-hmm. So I, I moved back, uh, to Boston, um, in the, in the summer of 93. And that's, that's when I started driving a cab, uh, because, well, I knew, you know, with my bachelor of fine arts, I was pretty much qualified to work in the service industry. <laughs> and, uh, that was, the, that was the route that I took <laughs> was the cab. That's when the cab driving started. I don't know. I just I was just looking at these paintings last night and just kind of being really fascinated because just to kind of be working on it, it like from from this observational standpoint and then to be kind of limited um, in terms of like what materials you have. How, how are you working on these in the cab? Yeah. So the, so uh, the, they were all done with uh, gouache uh, and they were uh, the particular challenge of those paintings was that I had at most three or four hours when those cabs were sitting there that way. Cause it was the, most of them were done at the, um, O'Hare airport taxi staging area, mm-hmm. which is where the cabs wait until they're dispatched to the terminals to pick people up. So all those, it's, it's rows and rows and rows of cabs. And I would go there when I knew it was slow or I needed a break and I'd work on these paintings. Um, but as soon as the line started moving, you know, my whole, my subject was gone. <laughs> so, so they, they they were all those are one shot paintings. They have to be. And how how immediate do these happen? I mean, are these super quick? I mean, like uh, you know, three four hours each. Okay. Yeah, that's that's about all I had. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were getting down to like twenty minutes and. No, you know. no, no, and, and I have a. If you look in the uh, sketchbooks pages of my site, there's there's dozens and dozens of drawings of, of, of similar subjects, you know, that were obviously a little quicker. Actually, all, almost all those paintings were done in one year in 2009, I think. I just had this, yeah, this. There was a few of them that were done in the in the in the cab garages too, uh, but most were done at the airport. And did you notice a lot of other cab drivers? Uh you know, make an art. <laughs> uh, there be play people playing music. Most there, there's people like with guitars with like, I think there was a guy with an accordion. Uh, most people were either reading or talking 
to each other. Uh, I mean, one of the things I loved about that job was that uh, there was no bosses or coworkers. I had solitude and I had my own time. I didn't have to sort of make nice with uh, coworkers or other people. Uh, but that same thing drove a lot of these guys crazy. It's why cab drivers are always talking on their phones. They're talking to each other mostly because they can't, they can't deal with the silence. Whereas I love the silence. <laughs> so it was sort of a perfect day job for me. Um, I'm curious then. So are you also kind of like working in, in other venues like this? I mean, are you kind of painting, you know, out and about like, again, there's like a series of cafe paintings and, yeah, I have a yeah, I have ongoing series like I'm saying the series uh uh I'm onto my uh and now I just moved to Bridgeport and I have a coffee shop. I've never lived this close to a coffee shop. It's like two blocks away. It's a place called Jackalope at thirty second and uh Halstead and I've been going there. I've done like four little paintings there so far. Uh, I've done paintings in bars, of in all sorts of other public places. And those are interesting in their own way. They're uh, because they have you know people that get up and go. So some of the paintings will have partially uh, finished figures in them, or like ghost kind of looking figures, uh, because people get up and go. And that's the end of that. I have to keep painting though. <laughs> and, I have to- and are these all gouache paintings on small scale, or are they different materials? Or uh, gouache, ink, or uh, watercolor? Sometimes, uh, yeah. Mostly, yeah, kind of water-based mediums just because of practical reasons. I don't think anybody would appreciate <laughs> me hauling my oil paints to the coffee shop. I don't think that would go over so well. It would be so <laughs> awesome, though. Yeah, with like, you know, sticking of turpentine the whole time. Yeah, that <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, I, well, I am curious, though. Is it, did, are, people, were pe- are people mostly pretty cool in terms of you working somewhere, or, or do people ever give you a hard time? No, no. Uh, people are curious, and you know, I'm very used to since I've been doing this a long time now. Uh, you know, people come over and sometimes comment, and they seem to like it. It's also, I mean, there's a obviously there's a long, long tradition of uh, painters doing this, painting in, in cafes. Uh, I, I never, I never that part. I was, I'm, it's been sort of a surprise. I, I never thought I'd be one of those people. <laughs> The, the artist painting at the cafe, but I've been doing it now for, uh, yeah, like 20 years. Are there any other, like, I, I guess, subjects that you you would say, like, just off the top of your head that you're really, like, invested in in terms of exploring, or is it pretty much just all of these? Because, uh, again, I mean, like, you've mostly, it sounds like you mostly lived in the city, so obviously there's, like, a lot of cityscapes, interiors, and... Yeah, it's, I'm very, very, I'm pretty much involved in, in city in city life. Uh, I, I don't have very much interest in nature. Uh, like I'll paint a tree if it's next to a house, mm-hmm. <laughs> an apartment building even better, but a tree on its own doesn't interest me that much. Uh, I've never, I've never been that drawn to, yeah, the, the country. Uh, so yeah, the, the, I guess the common thread would be city life and more specifically Chicago, I guess. But yeah, the, they're either cityscapes or, paintings in like coffee shops bars or their uh, their interiors uh and then with with some portraits sprinkled in when do the scale of these also like range a bit i mean obviously like maybe doing like a a four foot you know canvas at a at a bar probably won't work but i mean 
Are there different um, different bodies of work that you're able to work a little bit larger or have more time with it? Yeah, the, yeah, like the you know the the rooms uh, tend can be tend to be bigger. The stuff I do inside is bigger, uh, not huge. Uh, I mean, way back I used to do like six foot canvases, but it just became unwieldy. And you know, I would I did a six by five foot canvas in a loft that I lived in in Boston, and I kept having to turn the canvas to see what I was painting. And uh, I mean, it was kind of fun, you know, incorporating the the sort of the distortions and the the scale, like all, all the inconsistencies, was a great challenge. But it just became unwieldy and kind of ridiculous. So so yeah, these days, you know, I don't I don't paint above like you know, yeah, three three feet maybe, three four feet max. And what do you what surfaces do you typically like to work on? Are, are they mostly canvas or? Yeah, lately I do less and less oil painting. Really, uh, I go back to oil painting mostly for these bookshelf paintings that I do. Mm-hmm. I do paintings of my bookshelf, uh, and I have been uh, since about 1997. And the bookshelf changes all the time, and it was a way that I found to sort of circumvent the problem of still life, the problem of setting up things for still life, mm-hmm. which I was hated. Uh, like the setup part always felt like homework, and. Uh, well, it's interesting because I especially like know some people that work in a similar vein that like that's, you know, again, it's very interesting how particular artists are because some of them, some people will be, you know, all about setting that up, whereas oh, others yeah, yeah, yeah. love seeing, yeah. you know, some kind of like noticing some composition that they could create from something that already exists. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I, I love uh, the, the, the great thing about a bookshelf, I mean, a bookshelf that filled with books that you actually, you know, read that's a sort of alive, uh, is that it changes all the time and it's not conscious. Um, you know, books will be replaced, added, uh, you know, mashed together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's a way of sort of checking in and seeing how things have changed. Uh, uh also a way of, yeah, of, of noting the passage of time or this is now, you know, I, I just moved into this place a couple of months ago and did my first book painting here. Uh, and this is, let's see, the fourth fourth place I've lived that I've done these book paintings. And each one's different. It's different all the time. In terms of medium, like, yeah, I do those uh, usually like oil on board, I guess, mm-hmm. more, most often. Every once in a while on canvas or linen. But, uh, yeah, primarily, primarily I, I'd say I, I work on, on paper. Like some some sort of you know good watercolor paper uh, with, with gouache or ink or watercolor, and are you, charcoal too sometimes. And are are there like different easels like scattered throughout the the house or? I, I have I have three I have two French easels and one big giant easel which is like kind of my feel like it's my cross to bear that I've hauled around that's really heavy you know that that's on wheels and. Uh, <laughs> but but are you like working on these like at different times of the day and moving like between them or are you always kind of like working through one one painting at a time? Yeah, right right now uh, the mo- this moment I'm just concentrating. I gotta I gotta frame some stuff for this show and uh, just wrapping things up for that. But uh, yeah, at any given moment, I usually have two or three going. And and I guess just because you had just brought it up, I mean, um, tell tell me a little bit about the show that's coming up. Are, are these going to be the Mostly the the bookshelf paintings, then, or like a combination of some of the other works, or so basically, it's stuff done in the two last neighborhoods I've lived, which is uh, Beverly and Bridgeport. So there's going to be some 
couple of interiors and a, and a book painting and a couple of views out the window at, at, from uh, Beverly and some of the more recent stuff I've done over the last few couple of months here, uh, which are cityscapes and some of those couple of coffee shop paintings, maybe a bar painting. So, yeah, it's going to be a variety of, yeah, kind of a, a mix of things, but mostly to do with the, the two neighbor to the two different places that I've lived most recently. Is there something that happens in terms of just kind of like having these different bodies of work kind of like arranged? I mean, do, how do they inform each other? If nothing else, you know, a, a, an exhibition, a show is a good, a, a good, uh, a good time to take a look at what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's good to get them out of the house, you know, out of because you know what happens in in the when you keep looking at your work in the space where you've done it is it's that space is really associated with it. Uh, so to, to truly see if they're if they can live on their own, it's best to take them out of the house. <laughs> so I, I have no idea if, if I'll learn something or I'll be horrified. Once they're hanging on, you know, like nice white walls, you know, in, in a gallery. <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully it's worth it. Hopefully, I see something <laughs> that that's not embarrassing, or uh, you know, that people will dig it. And and are you? Do you typically show the like the drawings as well, like the ink drawings and and all that? Sometimes, yeah, like the. The stuff that's in my sketchbooks I don't show because it stays in the sketchbooks. Uh, uh, those are kind of – those are as close to a, a sort of like a journal or diary as I do. The sketchbooks go with me everywhere and I go and draw like at, at rock shows or at, like when I go to you know book readings or what have you and or sit on the bus and doodle on the bus and stuff. So th- those are their own thing. But uh yeah. Charcoal drawings and like ink pieces, uh, they they get shown. I don't know if, I don't know. Th- there's going to be a couple of charcoal drawings in this one, I think. Maybe one or two ink, inks as well, but mostly paintings. Yeah, again, I you know before I kind of, um, I don't know. Like I said earlier, kind of felt like I got bit by that bug, or at least in, in trying to kind of work, you know, from observation. Like I, at some point, I realized how important that drawing aspect is, and I, I know that we started out, you know, and I asked you about that. But I mean, I don't know what. Do you see a lot of that in your in your work in terms of just kind of like drawing with paint and? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. Uh, I mean, it's it's the basis of everything. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always sort of be a. A, a drawer first, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's the most. Uh, other people have said this, but it's sort of the most uh, intimate, you know, direct way of engaging with with any sort of subject. It's just a uh, drawing. Um, it's it's your first reaction to anything. Yeah, I th- I think it's just so interesting, just because like um. I don't know. There's like a like a level, especially for someone that maybe is starting painting, where they don't they don't maybe push that. They they kind of want everything to be perfect, and I guess maybe kind of like you were talking about earlier, like with regards to Parsons. I mean, almost maybe more designed as opposed to more about the the marks or kind of reacting to like what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously there's many many schools of painting and many many ways to do it. Uh, you can go, you know, a lot more of the classical academic way where, you know, you do a complete underpainting and then, and then you add color. 
but uh, I've never, I was never taught that way. And I, so I've never, I've never worked that way, I guess. And, uh, that kind of deliberate, uh, step-by-step kind of thing, uh, has never worked for me. I'm, I'm more all over the plate, all over attack kind of thing, which I guess comes, I mean, although I work from life, it, it comes more from like a, I don't know, you know, abstract expressionists work that way. Uh, so there's definitely that influence, but yeah, dr- yeah. Drawing, drawing is never far away. Uh, it, it, it's always there for me, whether I'm, working with a brush or not. Uh, and I mean, for me, basically, you know, I'll call it even black or white or color. If, if I'm using a brush, I call it a painting. Uh, so do it other, you know, define it another way. But yeah, basically it's a pencil, pen or charcoal. It's a drawing. If it's a brush, it's a painting. Uh, so like that, my ink pieces, I sort of think of as paintings as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I don't know. There, there, it's just uh, again, I get lost in, in terms of just looking at it. There's so much stuff on your site um, to <laughs> yeah. look through. You know, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Oh no. I, th- I mean, I think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it just is something that kind of forms more questions for me or just more observations. Like I love, like in the figurative works, to see like all the like there's such an emphasis on like the weight or like kind of like the way that they're kind of like sunk into these chairs or kind of like leaning and and again it's very interesting to me to think about kind of like working in a in a you know just in a black and white scheme and and also going like man yeah that must really help like punch out the uh, the the value um you know when you're working with color and and working you know directly you know i th- i think again it's just it's just like you kind of have all these different slightly different modes and it's just interesting to see how they kind of, um, I don't know, just might come, become evolved as you kind of continue them in different bodies. And Yeah, I mean, more and more for me, I, the, I've, I've been able to incorporate the drawing, uh, the drawing into the painting. And, uh, you know, I, I came to, you know, painting, as, as with most people, you know, I started drawing a lot earlier than I was painting. And painting was, uh, you know, a while gone to be a lot more <laughs> so a lot of the stuff of it is is more complicated and the way it relates to <laughs> just the the physical the physical properties of it are, are a lot more to contend with and uh at, at, yeah at this point uh I, I feel like i've got a i've got a decent handle on it at least in order to start something <laughs> what happens afterwards is still kind of a toss-up <laughs> but yeah, it's always I, I'm, to me the best best colorists are always always uh, aware of value you know light, light and dark and you always have to do that because that's that's the way the world is organized that's the way we see things <laughs> we see light sources and shadows and all that stuff uh, it, it's not you know, colors only exist in relationship to each other they don't exist in a void uh, or in some sort of vacuum. Is there anything that we kind of uh, should kind of re- reconsider or kind of investigate something that we haven't talked about that, that would be, you think it would be kind of interesting to talk about? Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty of things, but I mean, like, you know, something that you had kind of thought about that I maybe glossed over, like, oh, you know, this, whatever, this art historian was really, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 45 years old uh, later this year, and I'm still trying to figure out 
some place for myself in in the, you know the quote unquote art world. I've I've had a, a kind of a either contentious or a non relationship with most of it for most of my adult life, and it's the reason you know I've had these jobs like driving a cab and other service industry jobs is to permit me to keep keep doing my artwork uh, in the face of, uh, of, of very little attention. You know what I mean? And, uh, I'm, because I, I've, for whatever reason, I've never had, uh, I've never really been tempted to quit or stop or do something else. It's, it's what I know to do. And it's, it, it's always seemed to be my reason for being here. Uh, but figuring out how, how I, uh, fit into, uh, what other people think of as art uh, in this uh, city, in this country, or what have you, it's always been a challenge and continues to be. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see <laughs> what happens with that. Uh, you know, I've had little bits and pieces of some sort of success, and, you know, I sell work every once in a while, but uh, as far as institutional or recognition, it's been very, very sparse. And partially it's my fault because I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not the best diplomat. I don't go to the right parties and don't kiss the right asses, I guess. Uh, and, and, and don't accept, don't accept what, uh, what's in uh, at any particular moment. It doesn't matter much to me. Uh, a lot of the art world is concerned with making art to please itself or to impress itself. And I don't make work for that reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it seems like so much of your energy has to be focused on just kind of making the work, you know, and to be like prolific and, and that. So it's almost like a whole nother, again, it's like a whole nother, there's all sorts of different facets to that, I think. You know, like you're saying, kind of being at the right places, talking to the right people, which again, I mean, it's difficult as a artist because I think for me, I, I mean, if I'm out of the studio, I feel really guilty, you know. Yeah, there there are a few exceptions, but yeah, for most artists are just not very good at that stuff, at the self-promotion. I mean, the internet's made it a lot easier for people with <laughs> social difficulties or what have you, or being shy, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's helped me a lot. But yeah, there's I've, I've met a few artists that are good at both, but most aren't. You know, they're either good at self-promotion or they're good at making their work, and uh, I've always... Uh, been better at just making the work and it's my primary focus always will be well so why don't you remind everyone again um the the details for this exhibition that's coming up so they can come out and uh buy a beer of course uh the show opens uh at uh rational park which is in the humboldt park neighborhood of chicago uh at uh i believe the address is 2565 uh west north avenue the show is called uh, Between Beverly and Bridgeport, and it opens April 17th, uh, 7 to 10 p.m. for the opening, and hope everybody comes. Awesome. Um, again, I, I think it's really cool to be able to kind of talk to you about your work in this environment, then it's going to be nice to uh, buy a beer then. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I, hope, I hope you can come. Yeah. So it's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Cool. 
Thanks once again to Dimitri for joining me. Please go check out his website, DimitriSamarov.com, and please come out for the exhibition. Once again, opening April 17th between Beverly and Bridgeport. It's at Rational Park in Chicago. That's 2557 West North Avenue. And again, the exhibition runs from 7 to 10 p.m., so please come out and say hello. And again, if you're a new listener, please check out some of our other episodes. Again, you can go through the archive right on the left sidebar. We've got tons of different artists on. You can see some of their images. You can follow links to their websites. You can also listen in the default player. And if you like Studio Break so much, you could always, always subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. So please go ahead and do that. If you like, you can leave us some feedback there. Again, it just helps others find podcasts. So we thank you for that. And of course, we thank you for sharing it uh, on your social media network so please once again like our facebook page we provide updates from some of the guests that we've had on we share show announcements opportunities things like that so please like it you can follow our tumblr account that studio dash break tumblr and please follow us and send us your tweets at studio break i do want to say we are officially back from a brief hiatus so hopefully we didn't have you holding out too long we are going to be on the road doing some podcasts so opening this weekend ben cohan's exhibition still is at the madden art center that opens this friday april 10th from five to seven in decatur illinois so go check that out I'm also excited to say I'll be swinging by Illinois State University to check out the student annual, but I'm especially excited about Gina Hunt's exhibition, Two-Handed Cuts, the closing reception, April 10th from 5 to 7 as well, and that is at Transpace Gallery at Illinois State University, so please check out the Studio Break uh, page to get information on those exhibitions. It's posted up there. Lastly, we'll be announcing our final details for our 2015 competition. Once again, Julia Friedman is going to be our juror this year, and we'll be selecting the artists, again, that is going to be open to BA, BFAs, MA, MFAs, and professional artists of all kinds, all media. So once again, please check out Studio Break next week to find out information for that. We do want to thank Skylar Mail for contributing the music to Studio Break. If you'd like, you can check out his website at SkylarMail.com. He's also an artist, a musician, and he's got all sorts of good things there, so check it out. You can also check out my artwork at DavidLinaway.com to see some of the stuff that I'm in the studio creating. And who knows, maybe it'll give you a little bit more insight into uh, my perspective. Who knows? Um, aside from that, again, we thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.